live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. We are so redoing that music. I got to work on that over the weekend. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village Studio A here in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Uh, Light show today. Uh, Joining us from Bogey Del Vista, he is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy, live from Florida. He is Admiral Ken Carradine. How you doing, Admiral Ken? Great, Justin. How are you? Oh, doing fine. Lonely. It's lonely here in the studio. I don't have Alan. Uh, You know, David Mortlock is out doing his thing with his family. Uh, Laura Chavez is out. Charmla doesn't love us anymore. Dan Lipner. I'm still not convinced that Dan Lipner is not working for the Biden campaign, but that's another story. Uh, anyway, so light show for us. We're going to talk a little bit about all kinds of things this week, but the, the one thing I wanted to touch on real quick was the, the this money thing that's going on. I don't Ken, I don't know if you saw this, but surprisingly take a wild guess how much donald trump raised first quarter this year one billion dollars i don't know no close close (laughs) close 30 million dollars 30 million dollars is his quarterly report that is a juggernaut that is a juggernaut i mean 30 million dollars compared to uh Bernie Bernie Sanders made 18. Kamala Harris made 12. Buttigieg and a couple of a handful of others made between seven and eight, uh, and then everything goes down. You know, uh, Cory Booker I think might have been at about eight or nine. Uh, we're looking at that, but but 30 million dollars. There's a lot of angry Republicans out there that are backing him up. Ken, I mean, yep, that that's a haul. Well, and I would be interested to see some uh, some figures on how much of that came in after um, uh, Attorney General Barr made his announcement with regard to uh, the Mueller report and his his summarization of what he what he has seen. Um, you know, because I got to believe that that almost two week uh, going on three week victory lap probably uh, helped fuel the coffers. And, uh, you know, with the messaging behind the fact that, you know, the president is guilty or innocent, that is, or exonerated. And that really was a fraudulent slip. Um, <laughs> nice. Exonerated. And um, uh, and this was a complete witch hunt, and they're still out to get me. And I got to believe that uh, there's a there's a buttload of money being raised um, uh, to that tune. But, you know, the, the, the thing about it is, uh, I mean, if you look at, you know, the president's constantly fundraising, obviously, and he's looking at a $30 million haul versus the first quarter of 2018, which he raised $21 million, which is pretty, I mean, still an impressive number considering that the Dems aren't close to him. I mean, I guess the question is... Uh, you know, with Trump having 48, you know, 40 million, almost 41 million dollars in the bank with, uh, with the Dems splitting up a lot of that money, uh, Ken, I, I guess the question is, is, is there enough money? And we've asked this question before, can the Dems survive 
with that many people in with the same load of money. I know Alan's, if Alan were here, he'd be like, no, 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 of course. I don't see this sustainable. Um, well, I, I think that uh, President Obama's comments um, a couple of weeks ago uh, with regard to them turning themselves into a circular firing squad, um, you know, it may have more truth to it than not, especially when you look at the fact that there's only so much money out there. And there's only uh, and, and you've got so many people uh, in the race and more coming in all the time. I mean, I mean, it's account to like 25 yet now that, that have, that have uh, announced. And this is not helping them out. Um, and I guess the real question is, um, you know, once um, the, uh, the the Democrats settle on a particular candidate, you know, are these other people are going to throw in and support him? Is it even legal for them to do so, um, you know, with the money that they've raised so far? The, the bottom line here is that uh, the president, for lack of, uh, of, of any other real uh, good qualities, is just an amazing fundraiser and campaigner. I mean, he has proven himself to be quite the adept politician and um, – and he's and apparently he's got the fundraising skills to uh, to support that and say what you want about him, but you know he he's he's done that very very well and he's got his thirty percent or thirty five percent of the uh, of the electorate that believes in him not only are believing be, believing in him with their words but they're throwing in their dollars right behind it as well. Yeah, but I, I mean, but the you know we just got a tweet from a listener out in uh, in the lovely state of New Jersey who just said, given the current host of Dems in the race, wouldn't the telling comparison be Trump's fundraising versus the total raised by the Dems? My, my, my initial answer to that is no, because that's 20 million, that, that's, that's 30 million to one candidate with the backing of the RNC, and that's 18 million to one candidate, and, you know, it could be... 80 million split between 13 ways that money is diluted that's what i mean that's 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 you know vapor uh, I, I, once I they have the, a nominee i i get i get the uh the tweeter i get the tweeters uh point and i think there may be you know a little bit of validity to it but i think you and i are kind of talking around that subject right now is the fact that if it were not for so many people uh that have already announced uh, what would the fundraising look like? I mean, we've never seen anything quite like this before. And I've said on previous shows that one would think that um, the Democrats would take a lesson from what happened to the Republicans when we basically put a football team um, worth of candidates up on stage and asked America to pick the best one. And we didn't. But that person got selected. Well, yeah, but I mean, now... You've got. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to think that President Obama might be tr- might be correct that oh, this is oh, yeah. starting to look like uh, a circular firing squad. The the here's the other number that that's that's not getting the coverage that the Trump number is getting. It's the RNC number. The Republican National Committee reported first quarter fundraising. Take a wild guess, Ken. First quarter, eighteen. Uh, no, more. Really. Rob, wow. the engineer, you want to take a swipe at that? Let's go 25. Nope, wrong. $45.8 million first quarter for the RNC. And they are so in lockstep. They are so t- 
tandem in the campaign. I mean, basically, the campaign's running out of RNC headquarters now down on C Street on Capitol Hill. And it's remarkable. You've got a cash reserve of forty-one million. Bernie doesn't have that. And and if they want to go, and if they want to go scorched earth, guess what? The Republicans now have the cash to do that. That's huge. That that should scare a lot of Democrats. Ken. Well, um, I I think that you know, you and I have been on the opposite side of this. Uh, in the days when uh, Obama was was running for office, and I think we can speak, you know, with some level of experience that yeah, the Democrats ought to be afraid of that. They need to, you know, they need to figure something out pretty quickly, or this is going to be over before you even really get started. So here's the question then: Is is this Robin Hood aspect? Is this is this? You know, I almost want to say it's sanctimonious, but it, it's not. If Alan were here, you'd go, oh, I, I kind of miss Alan being here. But anyway, the you know, it's almost sanctimonious. Can somebody's going to have to break this logjam of it's only going to be the small donors that are going to get the energy behind the Democrats? Uh, they're going to have to break free of this and start looking at this in a realistic way and saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to accept corporate money. I may not take the PAC money. Uh, you know, I might not take the 427 money, but I will. I'm going to have to take, I'm going to have to take some hard cash to make this thing win compared to, you know, the juggernaut that's happening in the Republican party right now. I think as as much as the 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 more woke members of the Democratic Party, uh, who did you are use the word woke? Did you I use did. A, hold on, did. hold on for yeah. a second. I want to I want to talk to some of you actually. My uh, Rob the engineer, did he use that in context? I think he used it absolutely correctly. I did think he? Ken is uh, hip with the times. Stop. Okay, you can go uh, right I, now. I, I have I have four people <laughs> that that I am very close to between the ages of eight. I'm sorry, nineteen uh, and twenty seven. Awesome. Yeah. I okay. I, I, I speak youth, baby. I speak. Youth. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So anyway, what were you saying? I, As I was saying for 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 the more woke members of the of the group of people running for president, um, they may need to come to terms with the fact that um, being woke also means being realistic about how the game is played, and the game is played, you know, you know based on Citizens United. I'm sorry, that money is there, and if they don't take it, they're just stupid, and they don't really want to win. It was, I mean, it goes against the grain of everything that they're standing for right now. That's the problem. Well, again, uh, again, they, they being woke in my mind, and as I, as I've explained it to my close four, means you have to be uh, not only uh, aware of what insensitivities there may be out there, but you also have to be realistic about how you're going to conduct your business and. In this face, in this country, money walks. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I hear you, but but here's here's the bigger thing: is you've got. I mean, literally, we're watching the the Democratic Party starting to turn itself into the Republican Party of 2018, and they're really doing a good job of it to the point where, uh, you know, there is such a hard progressive left going there the first one that breaks down and takes corporate money is going to be viewed as 
a sellout. Uh, you're no better than the other side. They're gonna they're gonna attack him. They're gonna absolutely attack him or her. Whoever or, does or, that. Worse than Joe Biden has been attacked for for you know his his ability to show affection in a completely innocent way. Look, unless again, Joe... I, again I, I think that you know that 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 the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, God bless her. Um, uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, she served as the chair uh, right after Debbie Wasserman Schultz got uh, got Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil, and we know how much I love Donna Brazil. Um, uh, I think when when the adults basically start getting into the room, they're going to have to sit down and, and explain to these people, this is how it works. If you don't want to win, then fine. Don't take the money, but somebody's going to. Sorry. I, I, I just don't get the fact that, uh, you know, and first of all, let me be clear about this. You know, we're all seeing you talking, well, if Joe Biden gets in, Joe Biden gets in, look, Joe Biden's not in the race. As of this moment, Joe Biden has not declared his run for presidency. He's done everything but. But what really, really irks me is that I think that the Democrats are doing themselves. I think that Joe Biden and nobody's a bigger fan of Joe Biden in this day and age than I am. But Joe Biden is doing his party a horrible disservice by holding out and holding out because People are holding back money, waiting to see what Biden's going to do. I have to but, believe that. But but so let's let's take it from the other side of, of the coin. Let, let's say that um, they come in now. Biden comes in later on today during our show. Uh, he, he breaks in live and goes, "Hey, I'm in," and you know he does an opening number at least as good as Pete uh, Buttigieg's was over the weekend, um, and all that money comes rolling in. And something happens. You and I both know that a, that, that that a year is a long time in uh, in politics. So uh, you know, again, you know, are they going to throw bad good money after bad? I, I'm not entirely sure that him holding off right now uh, is such a bad thing. I think him. I think it's it, the fact that he didn't come in prior to um, the little. Uh, flail X that that happened a couple of weeks ago with regard to his embracing of people. I think him holding off on this kid, kind of letting that Peter out was was almost brilliant because he knew it was going to come out. He knew, and then when he did, maybe he didn't handle it as well. But not really anyone's talking about that right now. It's people kind of moved on. Well, they, I mean, other than the president who puts out memes about it, or I mean, they they kind of move on, but it's it's still hanging over him. But again. I go back to the point where if Joe Biden decides to get in, that's going to dilute the money even more to the detriment of somebody who might be viable like a Kamala Harris or a Pete Buttigieg or a um a uh Amy you know Amy Klobuchar you know even Tulsi Gabbard might be able to come out somewhere I don't see her doing it but at some point, Joe Biden's going to have to make the decision just from the money aspect to say, "Okay, now's the time to get in," or else if they go and if Joe Biden does not declare by the end of the second quarter, that money's gone. That money's gone for him. That money's gone, and that's wasted time for the Dems for the one person who I think stands as good a chance of beating Trump as anybody. You agree? 
I do. I completely agree. Jeez. Uh, hey, by the way, also, in case you didn't know this, uh, William Weld, the former governor of Massachusetts and former libertarian vice presidential candidate, uh, William Weld has announced his uh, yep, I saw challenge yep. to Donald Trump in the GOP yeah. primary. I, I here's caught the him on is, a, couple of in, a couple of interviews this morning. Here's yeah. the funny thing about it is I, I, I love Bill Weld. William Weld, Governor Weld is a great guy. He is my type of Republican. He's maple syrup Republican all the way. And I will tell you that uh, Bill Weld doesn't doesn't stand doesn't stand a shot doesn't stand a shot uh but i'll i'll support him as much as i can anyway um going back to the democrats i had to bring up william well we're going to talk about william Weld here in another segment here uh the democrats so at, at some point the question is when is somebody going to make the adult decision and start dropping the people who have 2% right now, you know, I mean, the, this is just, again, not saying money thrown away, but uh, what I am saying is uh, at some point, somebody's got to make an adult decision and, and slim this field down. Um, is, is that, I mean, is that even possible? Admiral Ken? Well, not without losing a lot of face, because there's a good number of people that believe that most of the most of the Democrats that are entered into the in, into this race um, uh, are doing so to raise their profile, not necessarily because they think they can win. And so, quite frankly, if that's the case, then that um, that theory might might have some legs. And I, I don't think anybody wants to give that. Uh, that idea too much too much running room. Now we'll see. I I, th- I think th- I got to tell you something. Looking at the way the cards are stacking, looking at the way that the um, the the party and the money is starting to flow, and looking at those takes from the RNC and Trump, I think that there is going to be a a divided struggle in the Democratic Party that that could be as damaging as the Trump break was with the Republican Party. If they are not you you've got Bernie Sanders now who's clashing with uh the less progressive side of the house. Uh but he but Bernie Sanders is now starting to pick a fight with organizations like the Center for American Progress and the CAP Action Fund, which is one of the political funding arms of Citizens for American Progress, uh, he is literally saying that they, or he's actually putting up a fight that is now going to start to break up what we think could be the solid foundation for a viable run to unseat Donald Trump in the White House. Uh, Politico is, our friends at Politico, they're reporting that uh, Sanders has said in a letter to the head of the Center for American Progress, He said the think tank was playing what he called a destructive role in the party, unquote, and 
in the crit and they are and they are disrupting quote the critical mission to defeat Donald Trump. I will tell you that they're not the ones that that Bernie Sanders should be. Bernie Sanders shouldn't be angry at the Center for American Progress. Bernie Sanders should be angry at the leadership at the Democratic National Committee for letting, just as my side of the Republican Party was angry at the Republican National Committee for letting 18 people run in 20, in, 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 uh, 2016 for president, that never should have happened. This should not be the case. And instead of taking a page and a lesson learned from the GOP, the Democrats are literally doing a carbon copy, which is absolutely insane to me. I don't I just don't get it. But until somebody's going to have to be the adult in the room and step down, whether that is a John Hickenlooper, whether it is a Tulsi Gabbard, uh, whether it, it is whoever, some there's people that are going to have to start stepping away from the stage, be the bigger person, and say, look, if we're going to take down this media and financial behemoth, only way to do it is if we consolidate our efforts, we unify the party, and we go after the one thing that everybody on that side of the aisle wants, and that is a Democrat in the White House, or it, even better, they'd rather see no Donald Trump in the White House than a Democrat. In the, I mean, I, I honestly believe there are Democrats that would literally put money behind Bill Weld just if he had a chance at unseeing Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. I agree. And, you know, when he was having his interview this morning um, on the, the morning circuit, uh, you know, uh, he, 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 he was challenging some of the folks that want to say that, you know, I don't like the things the president does, uh, but I like his policy. And then he says, well, but, you know, if, if th- that, that argument loses, loses uh, validity when you, t- when you talk about the fact of that climate change is is uh is a real deal and we are not doing anything to uh to ready ourselves for that nor are we doing anything to counter um what what we need to uh, do as a country to 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 help stem the stem the tide additionally you know he made the point that the republican party used to be the party of fiscal conservatism you know now we're we're spending money, and I, you know, I quote like drunk sailors. I happen to have an issue with that that term, but uh, uh, I think the meaning kind of comes comes across. So, you know, he's one of those old school um, Republicans uh, who, uh, you know, is, a, is an establishment kind of guy, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how um, the the more um, what's the word I'm looking for um, traditional Republicans um, respond right. to, to his his candidacy. Right. Well, we'll take we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. You know, I, I wish all the well. I, I wish Bill Weld all the best, but uh, I think it's a Don Quixote move. Um, that's just me talking. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, the situation with uh, WikiLeaks Julian Assange being arrested and why we should be concerned about that. I'm so 
We're going to talk about that and a lot more. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics live. I say live. We're not live. We're live to us from Podcast Village, Studio A in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. Because he's making a plaything of my devotion That's the way I feel today Without any reason or a word to say That man turned his keys in, he packed and went away What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean That's the way I feel today Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back with the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village Studio A here in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Joining me in a light show this week is 
Admiral Ken Carradine down in Boca del Vista, Florida. Admiral Ken, hello. Hello. And keeping us honest and chiming in from time to time just to give us some new color and flavor. He's Rob the Engineer behind the glass. Hello, Rob. I'm bringing the new color and you, the new you are flavor. Bring, you, are, you are. You are making us woke. I would dare to say <laughs> you are making us woke. Although... I'm a little upset that Admiral Ken knew what how to use that in context. He's he's not exactly the guy I would consider woke. Well, and then I did no, I did notice that he then after he after you called him out on it, he used it about three more times in a sentence yeah, right, yeah, right yeah. after that. It's <laughs> a cool word. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep living that being dream. Used by, be, be, being used by a cool guy. Keep use go. keep living that dream, sailor. <laughs> hey, uh, in case you didn't see it over the weekend. Uh, WikiLeaks, the former, I guess, or I guess, current founder of WikiLeaks. He's never, never not founded it. But uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange has been arrested in London, England, after the new presidential regime in uh, Uruguay, or uh, I'm sorry, Ecuador. The new president in Ecuador decided to revoke his asylum status and set him out on the street and literally evict him out of the embassy. Uh, the stories coming out of the embassy about what Julian Assange was doing there for the past seven years are just epic. Straight out of a Saturday Night Live skit, but we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about the serious stuff here. Uh, Julian Assange was arrested on a on an indictment and an arrest warrant put out by the U.S. federal government. Julian Assange was charged by the U.S. government for uh, attempting to uh, criminally hack into a password into the federal computer, and they they want him to answer for they want him to answer for that uh, for that for that crime. So what happens is in comes Julian Assange into lockup there in London. Our good friends there at Scotland Yard take him into custody. And they literally hauled him out like a rolled up carpet, Ken. And as they're calling him out, there was almost a certain vindication, a certain kind of thumbs up that he kind of gave. There was almost a certain sense of happiness that he does. And what gets me is... There are people that really believe that Julian Assange wins in this, that we are now floating down a really slippery slope when it comes to Julian Assange and uh, what exactly his role is. The biggest question we have is, because I've heard people say that, okay, they've arrested a journalist. The question is, is Julian Assange a criminal or is he a journalist being persecuted he is he is he is a criminal and he why is, is he a criminal hold on he, he is a criminal uh he may be a journalist but he is not being persecuted so um you and i both know some really standout journalists and um and the the the, the two that come to mind um have appeared on, on this show um and I have to believe, uh, and this is, I have to believe that if, if given classified information from the U.S. government and they know that it's classified information, they would not publish that. They would, they would take a step back and go, yeah, no, we're not going to do that because it endangers uh, methods, sources, and, and, and in some cases, people's lives. Julian Assange, uh, while he might be a journalist, 
threw caution to the wind, broke uh, protocol, and decided to basically, you know, uh, out the, the the federal government's program um, for for uh, for doing uh, uh, linking linking phone calls uh, from the U.S. into terrorist cells in the in the Middle East. Now, again. And that, that prompted a whole discussion in this country as to whether the, the federal government was listening in on people's phone calls when that was not the case. So, one, he, he basically unearthed a very effective program in hunting down the bad guys and at the same time really, really skewed the waters as to what was really going on. But, but um, okay, but, but here's the thing. But is, I, he, is not, he is not being persecuted. He, he is a criminal. He broke the law. So here's – and again, I, I'm not a Julian Assange or a WikiLeaks fan at all. Let me be clear about this. I I think this guy should be in jail. But Why? if he what? Why? Why do I think he should be in jail? I think he Yeah. I I think that he took advantage of of both Snowden, I think he took advantage of uh Chelsea or whatever his or her name is uh up there at Fort really? Meade and and took full advantage of these young people, telling That's them that they, the law, no, 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 convincing them and convincing them in a conspiracy to hack in and remove classified material is in fact a crime. That's part of a conspiracy. You can be charged for that. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is that he should go to jail. But here's my problem: is the claim of journalistic integrity, the First Amendment rights. Did you know why did we not arrest Catherine Graham for the Pentagon Papers? Why didn't we? Why did we not arrest Ben Bradley for uh, for the Watergate? Why didn't we arrest? Uh, why didn't we arrest? Uh, um, good grief! Uh, the Watergate team. I don't know the answer to those questions, but I but I think that. We we should have. No, why? You you. Th- I, again, mean, I mean. I mean. Again, I I, I, I again. I, I believe that the, the the problem here is that. Um, so do you? Um, you 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 really think that publishing 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 classified material is against the law? But. Uh, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court didn't think so. Well, it, it, well. Again, this this this. I think litigating it here probably is 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 you know great entertainment, but at the end of the day, this well, that's is what go we to do. Court. That's why yeah, we pay to rent the this space. Is gonna, this this <laughs> is going to go to court, but you know, and and in in my my opinion, my humble opinion is that if you if you basically uh, um, publicize uh, heretofore classified material, uh, you know, without permission from uh, appropriate sources in the federal government, it's a crime. I mean, it's 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 a crime. It's the way it is. But is is he is could you could you make the argument that Julian Assange is in fact a whistleblower? Uh, no. Why? Uh, well, one, what we were doing whistleblowing typically means that you're you're turning in an organization or for for, for wrongdoing. There was no wrongdoing going on here. What we were doing was not illegal. We were not listening in to people's telephone conversations. We were basic, and we were basically back back tracking phone calls made into terrorist organizations back to the U.S. 
with with the warrant. So we weren't we weren't recording people's phone phone numbers. So what he did again, you know, whistleblower does not a, does not apply here. He did he was not unearthing wrongdoing. Well, I <laughs> I will tell you this. I think it's it, it's a, it's a very very slippery slope. If we're going to call Julian Assange a journalist, I don't think he's a journalist. I and and to call him such I think is a is and I agree with you Ken, to call him such is disrespectful to true journalists in the profession. We we don't call ourselves journalists. We're not journalists by any means. We we offer commentary, we offer opinion, we offer insight. Uh, but we do not claim. But I think we are closer to journalism than Julian Assange is. Julian Assange, to me, is a cheap con man who had to prey on young, influential uh, people in authority who have access to this sensitive information. He preys on them, and they do exactly what he says, and. Now people go to jail. People's lives are ruined because of it. To call him a journalist and to claim First Amendment rights is dangerous, at least uh, insane at best. Admiral Ken, how do we now look at, I mean, you know, you've got multiple media outlets that are on the Internet. We're on the Internet, for crying out loud. Where, where do we draw the line as what is media and what is not? What defines what defines journalism today? I I I think that um, I don't know. I I, I think it, it reminds me of the uh, reminds me of the, of the of the debate that took place when Madonna's coffee table book came out many years ago. Some people thought it was pornography. Some people thought it was art. It's kind of like one of those things where you know you you you, you, are you, you saying one have, you, are you saying one man's Julian Assange is another man's uh, journalist? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously the president quite thought of him, you know, as a, as a journalist because he was praying for WikiLeaks to to publish um, uh, hacked emails from the DNC. So I mean, you know, he got rec- he got presidential recognition as a journalist. So, I mean, again, I, I think it really depends on the eye of the beholder. Um, I think that if, if one, of our, one of our colleagues, uh, friends who, 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 are, who are real professional journalists were on, on the call, I think he could probably get a, a good laundry list as to why they would not consider him one of their ilk. But, 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 again, uh, but, but again, I go, to the, I, I go back to the same – I go back to the same question. This is what this is where I have conflict, and I would love to hear. I would love to hear from anybody that's listening out there. Tweet us at Backroom Politic. Ask the answer this question for me. If we can arrest Julian Assange, why can why did we not arrest Catherine Graham for the publication of the, of the Pentagon Papers? Why did we not arrest Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein for? Watergate, uh, so many questions. I mean, Woodward and Bernstein, I think, would be a stretch, but the arrest of Catherine Graham for the for the authorization to publish the Pentagon Papers, which were considered classified, went all the way to the Supreme Court, 
you know, does Julian Assange fall under the same rights that the that the Washington Post decision under the Pentagon Papers fell to Catherine Graham and, and Ben Bradley? That's that's the question I have for anybody that would give me a reason to do it. I don't think so. I I think that comparing the Washington Post to WikiLeaks is like comparing a Bentley to a Yugo. They're just not even in the same class. They're, I mean, they're not even the same thing. So, but it, it, you know, at what point, I guess, can do we stop, you know, and say, okay, this is First Amendment, but this guy's not. Where do we draw the line? Um, again, it, it's, it's an easy call for me. Um, I think... Um, um, in the examples that you mentioned, uh, I probably would be, I might have a, a stronger opinion if I knew uh, more detail as to what the rationale was not to go after Ben Bradley um, and the Washington Post with the publication of the Pentagon Papers years ago. But, you know, as someone who was, was you know, a serving senior line officer in the military, um, you know, who, who basically lived under, uh, um, lived under, you know the 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 understanding for 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 many years that you know if you if you um, disclose classified material, you were going to have a really bad day the next day, and so those who go ahead and do that, um, in my opinion, you know they 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 should know what's coming to them, and if they do it anyway, you know then you know hey welcome welcome to the NFL. So, but I got to tell you the the. the would I, I don't think that had we looked at the time, if we had had WikiLeaks and we had had the internet and we had had podcasts and we had had Twitter back in the days of old school media, I don't think we w- probably would have seen the Pentagon Papers. I don't think we would have seen uh, a Woodward and a Bernstein. I don't think we would have seen... Uh, the the true journalistic capabilities of a newspaper. And again, I go back to they are a legitimate media source. They are a legitimate newspaper, and they've had a history of providing. In, investigative journalism is part of what makes this country great. It keeps everybody in check. But what I but I guess the question now is, if there's a WikiLeaks back then, do we, in fact, have a situation where they would have arrested Ben Bradley and Catherine Graham for the Pentagon Papers? Uh, saying, you know, or or are we being too harsh on Catherine Graham or on, uh, on uh, Julian Assange? Well, it begs the question, what's the statute of limitations on this? Can we go back and, and di- get him now? I don't well, know. Catherine Graham and Ben Bradley are still dead, so know, it's going to be hard to indict. It's going to be hard to indict them. It was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a, a rhetorical tongue in cheek oh, okay. question. Thank but you. just in the kind of, okay, <laughs> but now, now to turn from and again, I would love people's comments on our Twitter account to to talk about this, and this is not something we're not going to talk about in the future. But here's the thing is, we've got a real situation where Julian Assange, did you hear what he was doing? Playing soccer in the hallways and busting up equipment and furniture in the in the uh uh in the embassy? 
I mean, guy wouldn't wash. The guy wouldn't wash his clothes. The guy's a lunatic, dude. Based on based on you know some of the interviews that I saw uh, of him before he went into hiding, and it's been a while. Um, he never struck me as the kind of guy who would be uh, uh, grateful for um, the the uh, the accommodations that someone might might grant him free of charge, no less. That this is, that did not seem to be in his in his DNA. So, uh, I, and I've seen some of those reports, and quite frankly, I'm not really surprised by that. And um, and I'm sure that when the when the when the incoming president heard the stories, he said he did what? Yeah, he's out of here. Yeah, this, this like guy's, you, this guy's just like wow. you and I would. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, even to the point where, and by the way, in case you didn't see it, the Saturday Night Live cold open had actually had. Him in the uh, in the cold opening played by Michael Keaton. That was a good call. I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right. That being said, we're going to continue to monitor this Julian Assange thing, and we're going to continue to talk about it. This thing's not going away anytime soon, folks. And it could have either tremendous. Uh, it may have tremendous implications on what our First Amendment rights are, but we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, hey, by the way, um, with that, I want to thank Admiral Ken, Rob the Engineer. Thanks for uh, keeping us safe there, buddy. Uh, we're going to dip out now, and thank you for listening. It was kind of a light uh, light show. I don't talk usually this much. Do I? I you, know what, Char- you know what, Charlie? I can see you behind the glass laughing. I, I see you laughing. I don't talk that much. Jesus, killing me. Thank you, Charlie and Oscar, for hosting us as always. Admiral Ken, we'll talk to you next uh, next round. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back for the next best political talk show you never heard of, Backroom Politics, from Podcast Village, Studio A in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. You can follow us on our Twitter account, at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on Instagram, at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on our website, backroompolitics.org. You can also download us as a podcast on your favorite podcast services such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, and even uh, we're on Spotify. We're kind of a big deal now. Have a great week, America. We'll see you.